Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Good morning, Emmanuel Faith. I am not Ryan Paulson, but I am Scott Smith. And uh, it's my privilege to be with you this morning and get a chance to share the Word of God. We're going to continue our summer series called Master Class Expert Advice on Living Well. We're going to be this morning in Proverbs chapter 3. So we were both expecting and not expecting the news. Uh, for a while, my wife, Derricka, had had a, this feeling that you get that she was going to be laid off from her job. Her boss had scheduled a meeting at an odd time, 9 o'clock on a Friday, and she was having thoughts along the lines of, I think this is going to be it for me. I was hopeful and prayerful that she was wrong. She was right. <laughs> uh, when my phone rang at about 5 to 10 minutes after 9 on that Friday and I saw that it was her, then I knew for sure that she was right. That, my friends, was 12 weeks and two days ago. And this past Thursday, she got a job. That journey of unemployment lasted 11 weeks and six days, but who's counting? <laughs> Life, my friends, is like that sometimes, isn't it? It doesn't always go the way that we think it will. And when it doesn't, or even when it does, what is our response supposed to be? The same. Our response, regardless of the circumstances of our lives, is to be the same. Whether God's throwing us curveballs or fastballs, we're to continue to be a people who commit themselves to learning the skills which help us to then live well for the glory of God. Regardless of our circumstances, the assignment is always the same. Live in the fear of God and live out the fear of God. Last weekend, Pastor Josh, he did a great job of setting the table for this book of wisdom that we know as Proverbs. He explained to us its purpose. He told us about its author. He challenged us to learn from Solomon's wisdom as well as Solomon's life. And this weekend in a message that I've entitled, When Fear Takes Flight, When Fear Takes Flight, we're going to think together about some specific things that God wants us to focus on as we consider how we can continue to be a people whose lives bring God the fear and the honor and the respect and the admiration that is due to him just because of who he is. So with that said, I want to invite you to dive into Proverbs chapter 3 with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in that seat back in front of you there, page 627 would bring you to our text of study. I'm just going to start reading in verse 1, invite you to follow along. It, this is what Solomon writes. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now this chapter, chapter 3, hangs on the idea of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. And it's words of wisdom from a dad to a son but it's for all of us. 
Proverbs 1, 4, and 5 says this. He says, the book is written to give prudence to the simple. So if you're simple, book's for you. It's written to give knowledge and discretion to the youth. So if you're young, this book is for you. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. So if you're wise, who's this book for? It's for you. And if you know a ton, it's still for you. And the one who understands can obtain guidance. So if you already get it, it's still for you. <laughs> and so with that in mind, what does Solomon want to say to his son? What does Solomon want to say to us about how we can be a people who honor and fear the Lord regardless of the circumstances of our lives? What does he want to say to us about how we can be a people who see fear take flight, who see ourselves continually growing in godliness and in righteousness? Well, as I looked at the chapter, three things really stood out to me, and I want to share them with you. The first one is in verses 3 to 8, verses 3 to 8, and this is what it says. Solomon wants to talk to us about how we can honor the Lord in our ways, honor the Lord in our ways. I'm going to pick it up in verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now stop there a minute. This section of verses in 3 to 8, 3 to 8, 3 to 6, 3 to 8, not so much concerned with the direction that we're heading as it is with the kinds of people that we're becoming. And this will be clear in just a moment. But what Solomon is about to do is he's about to teach more on this skill of the art of godly living. And he doesn't, as he does, he doesn't start with a go in this direction. He starts with a be this kind of person. Because what Solomon wants for his son and what God wants for us is he wants our focus to be on who we are first and not on where we are to go. And I think that makes a lot of sense because when, when you have a right focus on the who of who you are, then when the decisions come up about where you're to go, well, they become a lot easier. So what does Solomon want for his son? What does God want for us? Well, first of all, he wants that we would be people who are kind and merciful. You see that in verse 3, let not steadfast love forsake you. He wants us to be people who are kind to those who are in need, kind to people who aren't having a good day, kind to people who maybe aren't having a good life. Those are the kinds of people he wants us to be. And second, he wants us to be reliable. You see it in verse 3, let not faithfulness forsake you. He wants us to be reliable. If you have the NIV, the NIV says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. So as you think about what does it mean to fear God, what does it mean to honor God with your life, be a person who is kind, be a person who is merciful, be a person who is reliable. Verse 5, be a person who trusts in the Lord with all your heart and does not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. These are well-known, well-loved, and well-worn verses. 
And I always thought that they meant one thing about God's guidance. But as I studied them, I discovered they actually mean something a little bit different. And we want to take a look at what God's driving at here. And as Solomon, again, as Solomon focuses his attention on the wisdom that is needed to honor the Lord in all of our ways, and as he talks to us about focusing more on who we are than on where we're going, he calls us to do three additional things which are going to allow us to, uh, to, to move towards, to live in that righteousness that God has in mind for us. The first thing he has for us, you see it in verse five, is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, I went digging into the Hebrew lexicons to see if there are any hidden nuggets to this word trust. And you know what I found? The word trust means trust. <laughs> I got nothing for you. But it means trust. Into, but then God says, okay, I want you to trust me. But let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you how I want you to trust me. And it's that second part of verse 5. With all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, I started thinking this week, and I've been thinking about this a little bit as we've gone through our 11 weeks and six days, but who's counting journey, about what does it mean to trust God with all your heart? And I came up with some for me. Let's see if they may resonate with you a little bit. Trusting God with all of your heart means absence of fear. How long is this going to last? What might this mean for us financially? What are we going to do if? Absence of worry. The third one is what gets me. Not feeling guilty about not being afraid or worried. I'm strangely not worried. I think I need to be worried about that. <laughs> Have you ever been there, right? You're like, why am I not afraid? This doesn't make sense. Something's terribly wrong. And actually, everything is perfectly right. Being okay with not being in control. Now, I don't mean living an out-of-control life. I don't mean sort of just doing whatever you want. I mean, when you're looking for a job, you have no control. Will they like you? Will your resume get picked? Will you get a first interview? Will you get a second interview? In Derricka's case, she had eight interviews for the job that she just got, from director to senior VP to coworkers. You have no control. None. But trusting God with all your heart says, I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. Free to surrender the outcomes. Free to surrender to the outcomes. This has been a little bit of my journey here at Emmanuel Faith over the past three to five years. Certain outcomes and, and, and surrendering to them and, and to what they mean. And then able to wait well. Here was the deal I had with God. Every Monday I said, this Friday... I'm going to trust you for a job for Derricka by this Friday. Yep. And for 11 Fridays, he said no. And I said, why not? And he said, you ever read that book of Job? 11 weeks, 11 no's. But I had to wait well. What, else, what other options did I have? Was I going to curl up in a ball? Not work, not live? These are some of the things that it has meant for you. I wonder what it means, uh, what is meant for me. And I wonder what it means for you to wait well, with all your heart, doing these kinds of things.
trusting him with all your heart. So it means trust. A second thing it means is defer. As we commit our ways to living in the fear of God, it means that we defer. And this comes from the section of 3, 5, and 6. Do not lean on your own understanding. So when we've used all the faculties that God has given us to figure it out, and we still can't figure it out, or when we think we figured it out, and then we discover that it actually goes against the principles of Scripture, what options do we have? We defer to God, and we trust. And it's hard to defer well if you don't trust well. But we know from Proverbs 16, 9, things are not always going to go the way we thought. Again, I had those 11 no's. The heart of man plans his way. The heart of Scott says, four weeks max. Four weeks max. And then we'll be back and she'll be back in the game. We're not going to have to make any changes to anything. Four weeks. But the Lord establishes his steps. And he says, 11. 11. But I'm not going to tell you it's 11 until I tell you it's 11. You just know it's not one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine. By show of hands, God ever left you confused about something he was doing in your life? Oh, come on. If your hand doesn't go up, then I'm going to sit in your seat and you can come up here. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. He's left us all confused. And what do we do then? We defer. We defer. Okay. God, you got something going on. We defer. We trust, we defer, we recognize. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, this is figurative language for the course of our lives. It's the actions that we take. It's the undertakings that we undertake. As we try to live our lives in the fear of the Lord, as we live out our moments and our days, we acknowledge him. We say, I know that you are with me. And we seek to know him. God, I want to know you in this. And we seek to submit. We seek to submit. We say, okay, God, not sure what you're doing here, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to defer and I'm going to keep chasing after you even though you really, really confuse me sometimes. As we do those things, what happens is fourth, then we begin, or actually we continue to be, I know this about us, we don't begin to grow in righteousness, we continue to be a people who grow in righteousness. And this is right here, and he will make your paths straight. And now, him making our paths straight, as you're beginning to see, this is not about the where, it's about the who. It's not about where we're going to go, what we're going to be doing. It's about him making us into the people that he wants us to be. When Solomon writes, he will make your path straight, he means that God is going to guide and direct us in such a way that the course of our lives will continually be progressing towards a goal. Fear will be taking flight. Fear will be causing growth. Fear will be causing us to move along in moral righteousness, in ethical righteousness. So when, when the book of Proverbs talks about life, it talks about the moral quality of our life. And when Solomon says God will make our path straight, he's going, he means God is going to make us into a people who live morally righteous lives. That is his goal. So when Jerrica gets laid off, my first question, I go to God, my first question is, okay, what's next? Where? 
and when, and do I have some ideas about the how long? And that's a good question to ask, and those are, those are good things to pray, but as I studied Proverbs 3 this week, I was, remember, I was reminded that, sure, he's got a where in mind, but he was saying, I got a who as well. I've got a who in mind for you guys as well. And so as the Smith family, Derek and myself and our kids, as we walk through this interesting time of asking and seeking and knocking and, and waiting, God was up to something. You know what he was doing? He was forming. He was forming. And I can tell you that he strengthened our faith. And, and he gave us the freedom to just not be worried about where provision would come from. And he used, in my life at least, Matthew 6, 33 and 34, great friends to me. This verse is a great friend to many of us. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now you see that? Righteousness, right? This ethical way of living, this moral way of living. Seek first that. Seek the who before the where. Seek the who before the what. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. And I thought about that a lot when I wanted to worry about tomorrow. And I thought, well, you know what? Tomorrow will take care of itself. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I can tell you by his grace, I thought of these verses a lot as I sat at my desk and worked, as I might sit across the, the, a couple of chairs in my office and, and have an appointment with somebody, as I went to evening meetings. He simply promises to take care of us as we prioritize his kingdom and his righteousness, living ethically and morally like him. He will take care of us. And we saw that in our lives, but not everyone does. Derricka told me about one interview that she went to where the entire time, all they did was they spent the interview going through her resume line by line. They wanted to confirm that she had done and could do what she said she had done and could do. And do you know why they had to do that? Of course you do, because people are throwing resumes out there where they're lying about their skills, about their abilities. I remember when she worked at UCSD, they had somebody who lied about having a PhD. you think you would check that, and I think they did, and that guy was out. <sighs> people are lying all the time. It's kind of sad that HR managers got to make sure that they're not dealing with liars when they're looking to hire for a position. But you know who doesn't have to lie? People who trust and defer and recognize. You don't have to lie. You can live a morally straight life because you're living for him and you know that he's got you. And I'm here to tell you, as you would expect, Derricka did it the right way. She admitted she, well, what's the word? She was honest on her resume. She was honest about her skill set in the interviews. She told them what she could do. She told them what she couldn't do. She passed the test. She let fear take flight because not only did she pass the test that revealed her ethics and her morality, but then also those were continually strengthened by God. 
Fear was taking flight. Now, why did it take them 11 weeks and six days to provide? I do not know. But let me tell you this. One of the, there's a quote from Tim Keller that really, really helped me. And I thought of it just about every Friday at around 5 o'clock. <laughs> God will either answer your prayers according to how you prayed or according to how you would have prayed if you knew what he knows. So we trust, and we defer, and we acknowledge, and we are made more righteous as we do things his way and for his glory. And it certainly helps, right? And this is a good thing to recognize. It is a continual journey and process. There's stuff coming up that I don't know about that's going to test me, that's going to reveal my character, it's going to reveal areas where I need to grow, and hopefully it will, fear will take flight. But there's stuff coming. And so given all of this, that it's a process, and it's okay to admit where you are in the process, I just want to ask you how you're doing with all of this. Have you gotten so focused on the where that you've forgotten that God also is interested in the who? Are you trusting, deferring, recognizing him in all of your ways, even to the point, even to the point where you would be willing to follow him to a place where it might cost you? Or do you find yourself lying, stealing, cheating, fudging that resume, those skills a little bit, what you actually produce versus what, or what you tell them you produce versus what you actually produce? With the idea that, well, this is the way the real world works, Scott. This is what you have to do. <laughs> well, Solomon wrote this chapter to give us wisdom on how to live lives that fear and honor God. Our challenge is to take his words to heart when it comes to the ways of our lives. Let's move on now to verses 9 and 10. We see a second thing that he has in store for us, and it has to do with how we handle our wealth. A commitment to living in the fear and the honor of the Lord impacts our wealth. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So the idea here, obviously, we, we show the Lord our respect and our fear and our honor by honoring him with our wealth and by prioritizing him with our giving. Now, this makes good sense to me because God is the one who gives us the ability to make money in the first place. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. But let's pick apart verses 9 and 10 a second. I think in verse 9 that we get the idea behind the word honor, right? We're called to glorify God. We're called to make God look good by the way we, we, we invest and we use our wealth and our possessions. But God is a realist, right? He knows we have bills. 
He doesn't give us what he gives us and then expect us to turn around and give 100% of it back to him, leaving us with nothing. We're not commanded anywhere in scripture to give 100% to the church, 100% to missions. Rather, what does he do? He directs us to prioritize our finances around him. As the back half of verse 9 says, they were to give him the first fruits of their produce. In modern times, we, we take our income, Emmanuel Faith, and we prayerfully decide how much of it we're going to give to God. Spoiler alert, that's not zero. It's not zero. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you it's not zero. And then we order our lives, we build our budget out from there. We don't build our budget and if there's money left over, we give to God. We put God at the center and then we build our budget out from there. And I don't know how you all do it, but Derek and I, we made the decision when we first got married to choose a percentage of our income that we would give back to God. Over the years, that percentage has increased and over the years, that total has gone up and down as our salaries have also gone up and down. But one thing has never that has never changed is the commitment to a percentage and our commitment to build our budget and our financial lives around whatever that number happens to be at the time. As you no doubt see in verse 9, the idea of, of first fruits would mean probably, well, first, first. He says, bring in your harvest, bring in all the stuff you've got, give it to me, and then take a look at what's left. It's not the other way around. It's not a calendar type of a thing. Some people here, they give on the, every week. Some people give every month. Some people give once a year, but they've made a decision. They've built it in, and they have that money there at that time. As we were in the midst of our 11 weeks and how many days? Six-day journey, we never changed the percentage. Never. We took that percentage, we applied it to what our income now was, said that's going to God. Now what are we going to do around that to make ends meet? What do we need to sacrifice? What do we need to give up? What do we need to put on hold? But we never changed the percentage. And for those who decide to honor the Lord, they have this out of 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And we know, of course, Emmanuel Faith. Proverbs is a book, a collection of wise sayings and, and general observations about how life usually works. Which means what? Which means you cannot take verse 10 and make it a promise. And that comports with what we see in life, does it not? We know there are people out there who never give a dollar, who don't prioritize God in their finances at all, and they're sleeping in money, and they have more than they know what to do with for the rest of their lives. We also know that there are people who give very sacrificially in terms of percentage and amount, and they may have just enough, but you know what they have? Enough. Because they can rest when they go to bed at night, they can lay their pillow on Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
Go back, my friends. Look at the context of Philippians 4. Paul is saying that the Philippians have sacrificially given to an offering that Paul was collecting for our churches. And they gave, and Paul said, don't worry, you'll have enough. The context of this verse is giving to God financially. Go check it out. Are you seeking to honor God in this area of your life? Are you letting fear take flight, causing growth? Or are you letting fear take flight, causing retreat? God is not calling you to give some crazy number that is going to sink your ship, but he is calling, not inviting, not asking, calling that you give something. Those of us at Emmanuel Faith who really are serious about living lives in the fear of the Lord and living out the fear of the Lord, we will organize our finances around him. If you're not doing that, here's my strong encouragement. Take some time this week. Pray. If there's someone you've got to have a conversation with, have a conversation with. Come up with a number. Come up with a percentage. And start living by that percentage and see if he shows up and honors you and meets your needs. I'm going to tell you now, he will. He will. You can trust him. You can trust him. So we've seen that a person who seeks to fear the Lord in their life follows the wisdom of Solomon, right? And honors him in their ways and they honor him in their wealth. Well, we're going to hit the final turn. We're going to head for the home stretch. And there's one more thing we're going to see is that they give attention to their walk. They give attention to their walk. As we, as we go into these final verses, the point I want to make is that we know from 1-7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you fear the Lord, you begin to acquire wisdom. As you apply that acquired wisdom, what Solomon is telling us is you are now living a life that fears the Lord. So we continue to fear Wisdom, apply wisdom, fear. You can just see it goes like this. So what Solomon is saying is, as you, as you live out this acquired wisdom, your life is going to have a certain quality to it. It's going to have a certain flavor. It's going to smell a certain way. And we, because we should expect to see the results of wisdom showing up in our walk. Verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Stop there a quick second. As we practice the wisdom of God in our attempts to continue to live lives that fear the Lord, we are afforded the possibility of experiencing pleasantness and peace in our relationships. Now, I say 
possibility because, as you know, it takes two to tango. If you practice wisdom, but you live with someone who does not, things aren't going to go so well until that person becomes a person who practices the wisdom of God. But for the friendship, for the boyfriend-girlfriend deal, for the marriage, for the, for the kids and their parents, and even with the ex, if you both follow the wisdom of God, look at what you can have. James 3, 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of what? Righteousness. They will will reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteous people are people of pleasantness. Righteous people are people of peace. Let's go back to the text. I invite you to join me again in verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. People who embrace and apply God's wisdom find not only the possibility of pleasantness and peace in their external lives, but then they also experience an internal reality. They receive life for their soul. Life for their soul. External peace and internal peace. Verses 23 to 26, there's another thing you get. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of the sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from from being caught. The idea here is that we can know security and confidence in our daily living. Security and confidence. Life grounded in the wisdom of God has a certain quality to it, a certain flavor, a certain aroma. There's one last thing, verses 27 to 35. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan against evil. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. God's wisdom, when practiced out of a desire to live a life that fears the Lord, allows us to live well in community. You take what's in 27 to 35 and you, be, and you begin to weave that into your walk. To, to, you know what? I, Cold Stone. Anybody like Cold Stone? I love Cold Stone. And you know one of the reasons? Okay, so I just get the, the, the sweet cream Reese's peanut butter cups. 
But you know what I like about Cold Stone? Is that, you know, they take it up there and they and then they, they mix it in, right? What the goal of Cold Stone is that whatever your topping is, there would be a bit of that topping in every bite of ice cream. And I think that's God's goal for his wisdom, that there would be a bit of his wisdom in every part of our lives. And as we do that in our communal relationships, then we have the opportunity to live well. We have the opportunity to live well. And also I think you find too that you choose to live this way in your life is gonna be a blessing. It's gonna be a blessing to him. It's gonna be a blessing to you. It's gonna be a blessing to me. People are gonna to wanna to be around people who live life this way. You're attractive. You're living an attractive life and you are an attractive person to be around. Proverbs chapter three. How are we doing? How are you doing and practicing the wisdom that you've already received? Do you, do you see it working its way out in your life and the ways that Solomon highlights in your ways and in your wealth and in your walk from your possessions to the people in your life and everything in the middle? If not, be a good question to ask yourself would be, well, why not? Why not? And the open invitation, regardless of where you are in your relationship with God, regardless of where any of us is, is that we can continue to seek wisdom. We can continue to get understanding. Because I know this about us, Emmanuel, faith, it is our desire as a people to live lives to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Our Lord God, um, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. And nothing is too difficult for thee. Helping us to live this way, Lord, convincing us, giving us the power when we feel weak, the encouragement when we feel weak, the blessing. Lord, we want to be people. We want to continue to be people. We have been, we are, and we want to be a people who live our lives for your glory, who live in the fear and the honor of the Lord. So give us the strength, the power, the ability, the desire to live in and to live out the fear of our great God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.